0: As a pastor, a great joy of mine and a sacred privilege is always the opportunity to sit with people, to walk with them along their journey and to hear their story. Sometimes in that journey, I get to sit with people who are going through the hardest of times when they lose a loved one. And what I do as a pastor in preparation for their service of celebration of resurrection for their funeral is... I invite them to tell stories about that loved one. And in the telling of those stories comes healing. That's part of the healing process of continuing to just live into the memory and continue to talk about that one who is precious to them. And there's always a time when we're talking and we're crying and we're laughing, and a story is told when the family always says, pastor, don't tell that story at the funeral. Do you have some stories in your life that you wish the pastor wouldn't say at the memorial service? Uh, pastor, leave that one out. And of course I do, but we have a good chuckle about it because there's things that experiences in our life that we think, right, shouldn't make it into the final story. And I say, go ahead, you know, part of me wants just to include all of that stuff because that's really who we are as people. So in my memorial service, I want people to say, you know, sometimes he was grumpy, Sometimes he did get hangry. You know what hangry is when you're hungry and angry? Those are not a, you know, a good combination. So, you know, because Michael was a real person. Are you a real person today? So there's something about our stories that along the way we see what makes it in, what we wish we would leave out. Now, the Bible is a story of God's redemptive love. And have you ever wondered about some of the stories that have made it into the Bible? Now, we're in a series called In the Boat because we've been navigating some pretty turbulent waters the past six months. Would you agree to that? So in Scripture, we see a lot of cool boat stories, but really the boat as being a metaphor for this thing we called life and how God is present with us. And I said, I just can't start a series called In the Boat without talking about a very large boat known as an ark. How many of you have heard the story of Noah and his ark before? Okay, good. All right, so let's jump into this story for for just a moment. There's a part of me that wishes this story didn't make the final cut. Now, we come from an oral tradition. People would be telling stories. And along in history came a time where people would say, we have to write this down. We have to preserve this. Now, with Scripture, we see that Scripture is God-breathed, that the Spirit is involved with this thing. But I'm always fascinated that I just want to say, God, you know, did, did you have to include that part? Because most of us know the story of Noah and the ark, and we think about the beautiful rainbow and the promise, we, we think about the dove, we think about the cute animals that come two by two, and a lot of our memory is through the Sunday school lesson that we've all heard. What a beautiful story. And then we kind of look at the scripture again, and we see, did God just really destroy the whole world? Is there any part of you that's like, uh, What? Hold on a second. Now, in the metaphor of the boat, have you ever noticed that if you stood on one side or the other, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna get wet. So if you're ever in a boat, you always have to manage that thing. You have to figure out balance. Maybe if you don't like the word balance, you have to figure out the tension that must be managed. And this is what we're gonna do today in the story of Noah. We're gonna manage the tension of the cute story from Sunday school and the scripture that's before us that we're like, did God just wipe everything out? We're gonna balance and manage this tension a little bit with me for a second, okay? Now, I love that, you know, we can have such a view of scripture to where every single word is just absolutely what it is. And we can look at the story of knowing the Ark and there's people that would say, uh, we can recreate the thing. We know how many cubit long it is. And that means X amount feet in today's world. And they measure it out and they build it and they put it in Kentucky because why not Kentucky? If there's gonna be anybody in the world that's gonna recreate the Ark, you can go to a museum that is in Kentucky right now because they got a lot of oceans there or something, I don't, I don't know. And you can see, you can take a tour. Has anybody done that, by the way? And I'm not hating on Kentucky. I went to, school, to college in Kentucky, by the way. But I know people in Kentucky, so I also like to make fun of them. So so, so you, you have those folks that you could say, this is how real and how true it is. And there's other people on this side of the boat that would say, this story is like absolutely ridiculous. You actually believe that stuff? If you believe that stuff, then, you know, the Bible is just one of these primitive books that doesn't make sense in today's real actual world. Have you ever heard people talk about that too? And so we're gonna we're going to balance this boat. We're going to figure it out. Now, in order to do that, this is the challenge. We have to be able to take off our 2020 eyeglasses. And aren't you going to be happy when New Year's Eve comes this year? And you're walking into 2021 and you have hope that, goodness gracious, 2020 is just going to be done in 2021 is going to be hopefully you know better so we we have to take these glasses off because we look at things a certain way even though we think we have everything figured out in today's modern technology world we'll see we still have some ways to go we have to look though at the story of Noah not just as a people who uh are in 2020 and stand behind it but also how would the original readers the world of which the old testament was how would they have understood the story when people said we gotta put this one down for people to continue to read i love in scripture how the writers are going to add some of who they are into their story you can think of the gospel of john at the end of his gospel where he says Jesus did a whole lot other things than just this. If I were to write them down, I would uh, assume that it would take all the books in the world. But I have written these stories so that you might believe. That's what John says. And Luke, in his gospel, says, I too, Theophilus, he's writing to this dude, Theophilus, I too wish to give an account that means that luke was aware that other people were writing this thing called the story of jesus matthew in his gospel writes particularly to a jewish audience you can see it with all of the references where jesus is always interacting with that which a jewish audience would have great familiarity with in fact matthew begins his story of jesus with a big list of names the very first book of the new testament matthew chapter 1 is going to be a list of names. It's a genealogy. And how many of you read every single name when you do that? Oh, quit lying. You skip that genealogy. I know you do. right? so here, here's what you're doing. You're seeing Matthews from a Jewish audience. Mark isn't as concerned with some of that stuff. Mark is writing to more a Gentile audience, which means non-Jewish people. So he doesn't have as much of that flavor into his story of Jesus. But if you're going to look at these stories, if you're going to, figure out what they mean not just for our application, we have to understand what it was like then. So we're going to hop into our DeLorean, which is a time machine from Back to the Future, for those that have never seen the movie, and we're going to get our uh, time travel thing on, and we're going to go to a place called the Ancient Near East. So stick with me just for one one more moment. The Ancient Near East during sort of the Old Testament time period was a world of which people viewed God as in the plural form. There were many gods. There's a God of this and a God of that. There's a God of the sun and the rain and the moon. There's just a billion, billion gods. And they lived within this continuous relationship, which means what we did as people would affect or manipulate the gods to give us what we want. And so the gods then, weren't trustworthy because they were random you couldn't understand how the world worked and maybe you didn't pray it right or you didn't offer the right sacrifice or you didn't do all of these things and you didn't have the right idol you see this even all through the old testament the people of God coming up into these cultures and into these tribes of where they're figuring out how to be in relationship with all of these gods so then now when they come to write the story of God, as in singular, monotheism versus polytheism, one God versus many gods, you see now they say this, this is going to be a story that is really radical, really different from the culture of the day. So they're going to talk about a God who speaks creation into being, that there was no manipulation needed. In fact, God was so outside of time and space with just simply the word of his voice comes light. That, that, that's very, very different. Now, we come after a couple chapters, right? We're getting into the story of Noah. Now, the story of Noah is several chapters long. We just read a couple verses for you today. But we see a God who comes to Noah. And and, and again, you, you gotta think about this as an original reader. The gods don't like have a personal relationship with people. This God who wants to reveal himself, not just to Noah, but in fact to the entire world, is completely different, absolutely different from the world of which they lived. Oh, wait you mean? You mean God actually, cut, like, it, comes and talks. Yes, God wants a personal relationship. Yes, from the very beginning pages of scripture, when we see God as one who walks with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool mist of the day, there is this personal connection and relationship with people. And then God explains why there is a flood. And as much in 2020, that sounds totally weird for us, in that day, it would have been absolutely even more radical. Wait, hold on a second. You mean God explains things? Yes, yes. There was a reason. Now, there are flood stories in pretty much about every anthropological or sociological group in the world. You go to South America, there's a flood story. You go to Europe, a flood story. Asia, Flood stories are part of who we are as just people in the world today. Every people group seems to have a flood story. You know what's different about the one we read about in the Bible? This God explains. This God has a reason. This God is personal. This God says why. And then God gives, yes, of course, the promise. The gods of those days, they, they didn't do that. They didn't talk about promises. When God said, I won't do it again. You see, they lived in a constant fear-filled, anxiety-filled world of whether the flood would come or, or whether it wouldn't. How much rain or not. Enough rain. They were always living in this pain and fear. And God says, I'm done. I'm not going to do this again. And I'm going to give you a promise. And this is what we see in the Old Testament is the beginning of a covenant. We're going to learn a lot more about covenants throughout the rest of Scripture. God that wants to be in relationship with people, that makes promises to people. So as much as we want to talk about the cute animals and the two by two and the rainbow and the promise of Noah, really, we must think of this story as a way of saying, how is it that this God is different? Now, for people who are living right in today and trying to figure out what this odd story means... Right, you can just go to the place of it's it's written down, and I believe it, and I'm not sure how it happens, but I I just have faith and do it. The purpose of faith in the story of Noah, as you heard from Hebrews in the call to worship read by Pastor Scott today, was not so much about just believing, uh, you know, just be, be, believing because it, it, it's there, but believing because it's not there. In fact, Noah lived his life in a way with events that he'd not seen that was how hebrews described his faith and i don't know about you but last time i checked we're living in events that we haven't seen before you're not going to be able to tell what will happen tomorrow but by faith you live now thank god that i don't think god's going to invite you to build an ark today been there done that is what i would say about god we don't need an ark today we, that's already happened. In fact, he promised it wouldn't happen that way again. I don't think you're going to need to build an ark today. But what is it that God might be calling you to do that would see so, seem so ridiculous or absolutely absurd that you just have to live by faith in the events yet unseen? That's the point of the real faith of Noah. If Noah was gonna come and sit in our sanctuary today, he would encourage us as a person of faith that promises, yes, they come, rainbows will come, but you're gonna have to sit through the rain. In order to have a rainbow, you gotta have the rain. But being a person of faith doesn't mean that the rain will never come. Being a person of faith doesn't mean that you're always going to have the answers about what tomorrow will be. In fact, being a person of faith is living your life in a way of events yet not seen. It means you have to trust, and that's pretty hard. You're going to have faith and hope, and that's pretty hard when all of life's circumstances seem to be challenging. You see, the, the ark and the story of Scripture is one that we always come back to. We don't get too caught up in the details, but we look always at the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world and what God is trying to say to us. So what do we do as a people of faith that see that there is a God who is trustworthy, who is different? That the reason they wrote this story down was not only to show a picture of a person of faith, but to reveal a God who is so different than what everyone in the world would have made God to be. You see, there's people today and they're saying that God is over here on this side of something. And they put God into this nice little box that they've made and they say, God agrees with everything that we see on this side of the boat. There's people on this side of the boat, and they're going to say, we put God on this side, put him in the box, and God's going to stay right there. And God is absolutely going to affirm and and do everything that I believe. And and we just have this nice little shape of God's going to be on this side of the boat. And we must learn to manage the tension. Manage these tensions to find the balance of what is God trying to say to us today with events we have not yet seen to be a person of faith. We're gonna write down this story of how we live right now. We're gonna write down the story of who we are. There might be some things that we wish we wouldn't include into it, but there's a reason why the stories are written down, good and bad, challenging and easy for us to see that there is a God who reveals himself as personal, who explains things when we have questions and he makes promises and covenants with us, we're left now as a people to start building, to start living, to start moving and having our being and trust in the one that we follow, the one who even in the midst of the rain still gives hope and promises, who in the midst of the unseen events of our life says, I'm with you and I won't leave you. What's your story today? It's going to be written down it's going to be told it's going to be shared with people and as much as it might confuse some of us today is your life going to reveal god to someone in that way a god who makes promises a god who's with us even until those promises come true and a god who wants to be known let us pray We ask, Lord, for your help today in the faith to live, to make choices, to be who you've invited us to be. We ask your encouragement today. We ask your love. We might be in the midst of the storm, but yet we look to the promise and the rainbow. We look with hope of what will be, yet we still live. We don't always understand things, as much as we might not understand some of the stories in your word or the events that we see in our world today. We acknowledge that even though we think we have it all figured out, we still have a long ways to go. That our world is in just as great of a need as it was even in the days of Noah. Help us bring your peace. In your name we pray and all of God's children can say amen.